welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going? All right, how are you, Phil? Good, good. Um, now, uh, a couple things. Uh, Eric, you actually do a second podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Ascancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can get it on Stitcher and on the iTunes store. And Mike, you do a genre blog? Yes, that's Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. Very good. And Eric, you do a third blog with me and Mike. I mean, a third podcast with me and Mike. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, that would be our sister podcast, Dark Discussions, uh, your place for Horror fiction. Uh, damn it, I blew it. What is it, Phil? Oh, uh, your place for the discussion of horror, uh, films, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Films, fiction, and all that's fantastic. That's right, yes. Yep. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. Yes. But, so uh, it is It is actually the uh, the original podcast that uh, this split off of. Um, it's at darkdiscussions.com. Uh, if you sign up to that feed, you will also get this podcast, although this podcast is available on its own feed. Um, so everything related to this podcast actually goes through darkdiscussions.com, so that's where you can find everything. If you sign up to that subscription, you will also get these episodes, although this podcast is available as its own feed, too. Uh, so for all your you-know-nothing-John Snow needs, go to darkdiscussions.com. That's right, and you, you actually said, uh, Eric, uh, before we Skype killed us, that if you do search for you know nothing com, it may be there, but it wouldn't be us. <laughs> that is correct. If, yes. if that domain is owned, it is not by us. That's right. And so uh, www.darkdiscussions.com is the website for this podcast as well as the sister podcast, and uh, at the bottom of every page there's links to all the things such as email and whatnot and so forth. Mike, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say that I know that, that you know that Jon Snow knows nothing. But I also know that our listeners know that if we get some feedback, it helps improve the show. It helps get us attention. So if they would be so kind as to go on whoever it is that they use as a downloading service, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other various uh, streaming services out there, and it would be so nice as to leave reviews for I for, no not I know nothing for you know nothing Jon Snow, then we would be greatly appreciated. You could leave them for Dark Discussions podcast as well. Um, and again, that helps. If you give us honest feedback, it helps make the show better. If you uh, give us a rating, it'll help boost our recognition uh, on the site, our standings, and more people can find us and help lead us along the way to help take over Westeros. That's right. Exactly. And uh, it's always appreciated for sure. Uh, one other thing about uh, the three of us um, and the Dark Discussions uh, podcast, as well as the You Know Nothing Jon Snow podcast, is uh, something about uh, Scares That Care, Mike? Yeah, there's a Scares That Care is a uh, 5013C, or C3, sorry, charitable organization uh, made up of people in the horror community. Uh, it's run by a gentleman named Joe Ripple, a retired uh, serviceman in the Army, retired Baltimore police detective, uh, and someone who's actually made a few horror films himself. Um, but he's been running this charity with uh, other horror fans and 
partnered up with some people who actually are horror celebrities, such as Kane Hodder, in order to raise money for people in need. And they try to donate to three families a year, uh, donate about uh, $10,000 to each family if they can raise that much money, uh, along with some other small things they do here and there, such as they do um, uh, provide toys for, for children in need around Christmas time, among other things. And part of Scares of Care is what is eventually going to be now renamed the Scares of Care uh, weekend fundraiser, which happens at the end of July in Williamsburg, Virginia. And this year, uh, Dark Discussions podcast will be down there, uh, myself and Eric and Phil and um, Patrick Lacey will be down there with the table uh, selling ourselves and selling our wares, um, mostly trying to <laughs> whore ourselves to gain attention. Um, and if anybody wants to go down there to see us and say hello... Uh, that's where you'll be able to find us, and that's uh, something like July 22nd, I believe, is when that starts. It runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday, although there are some events Thursday night for people who arrive early. Um, the main hotel is booked solid, but because this is in Williamsburg, which is a very touristy place, there's lots of other hotels surrounding it for you to uh, to book, or if you live in the area, obviously you wouldn't need it. Hundreds, uh, and, hundreds of, of uh, rooms available. Yep, I checked. Absolutely. And uh, and I'll actually be uh, hosting a panel uh, on the topic of Frankenstein, which actually ties into something going on in Game of Thrones, uh, because it's the 200th anniversary of the publication of the book. And so sort of talking about the book and its influences for over the last two centuries now. Um, and that's a big honor for someone who spent a lot of his life on the other side of convention panels to be sitting behind it. So it'll be pretty cool. Very good. All right. So uh, hopefully folks can join us there. And uh, if not, uh, we'll have feedback uh, anyway. And most likely that would be on the Dark Discussions podcast rather than this one. Because by the time Skills That Care comes, I believe Game of Thrones Season 6 will be over. And we'll have our hiatus of this podcast until next year. Um, but you can always follow us on darkdiscussions.com and the Dark Discussions podcast. Um, and, Eric, one thing you did uh, mention was that we do have two feeds, and both can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. Yes, so. indeed. All right, very good. Um, now, uh, any news about Game and Thrones generally? Um, there's one I no noticed. Uh, one of our listeners, Chris Genray, Genro, I'm sorry, of uh, Canada, he actually uh, posted – a lake of uh, the Massandra's uh, red necklace as a gift for Mother's Day. Did you see that little skit? <laughs> that was very funny, yes. Mike, did you see it? I did not. Oh, uh, uh, one of the late Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I know it. Yeah, I did, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. One of the late night shows. Talk shows, uh, variety shows at eleven thirty late night. Um, they had a Mother's Day fake Mother's Day commercial where you could give your mother the uh, necklace that Massandra wears, and then suddenly she becomes a beautiful hot woman who doesn't want anything to do with her husband and wants to run away from her children. It was a pretty cool and funny uh, little skit, I must say. Uh, very good stuff. That's all I have for general news of Game of Thrones. Uh, anybody else have any news that you want to bring up? Nope. Nothing Game of Thrones specific that I recall. Yeah, same here. I didn't see anything else either. Um, so I guess uh, we could just start on uh, 
episode three, and that I have some information. I forgot to do it the last couple of times, but uh, the episode is number three in season six, entitled Oath Breaker, and some items of note. Uh, the first is is that Benioff and Weiss, the game runners of the show, uh, wrote this episode. But they've written all three so far this season, which was uh, a curious thing to, to note, I, I must say. Uh, so that's interesting. They, and they don't list uh, for future episodes yet the screenwriters. However... I'm pretty sure there's a reason for that. Uh, oh. It, as, as far as I know... Uh, Benioff and Weiss have been the ones involved in direct conversations with George R. R. Martin about where the plot of his future books are going. Uh, so I believe they're just trying to keep that information as close to the vest as possible. Uh, so to avoid leaks and such, uh, which is why they may have put themselves in charge of the writing. Oh, okay. I, I must say that I did make one mistake. Uh, Dave Hill uh, wrote Home, episode two, and I think he's the guy that is like the the third wheel guy that they use a lot. Okay. Um, but uh, the first two episodes were by Jeremy Podeswa, uh, the director. But this one here, Oathbreaker, was directed by Dan Sackheim, uh, probably most well-known, at least today, uh, is, is he had done X-Files back in the day. But he does two of your favorite shows, Mike. He directs a lot of episodes, uh, The Walking Dead and The Americans. So, okay. uh, yeah, so Dan Sackheim... Uh, is very prolific in television and most specifically genre television and in the Americans and Game of Thrones case, highly regarded television and in The Walking Dead, a very highly, uh, liked or loved show as well. So, uh, he's, uh, he's definitely, um, uh, someone that I guess has some, uh, ability. And I think this may be, I don't know if this is his first episode ever of Game of Thrones, but it is obviously the first episode this season that he's done. Uh, and that's the only information I got. Uh, there is no information about how many viewers yet. And it was, uh, but the prior two episodes were 7.94 and 7.29 US or American viewers, uh, not including, uh, Canada or Mexico or any other territory outside the u.s of a uh that's it so uh what did you guys think of the episode eric what did you think of oathbreaker um i liked it for the most part uh don't quite understand the title uh i'd like to talk about that maybe you two can fill me in uh, <laughs> um yeah, and uh, I mean, some of the parts I really, really liked, and other parts it just felt like they were like, oh yeah, by the way, we're just going to mention that this is still going on so you don't forget. Um, and those parts I don't enjoy so much. But uh, yeah, the parts that were good I liked, but I thought that probably, oh, maybe 30% of the episode just felt like filler to me. All right. Um, yeah, for me, um, I mean, I, I like pretty much... Um, the television show probably as much as all you guys do too, but um, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, there was a couple of odd beats I thought that weren't necessary to the story and they could have been used elsewhere. Uh, though people love like Tyrion, they had his little uh, joke with Grey Worm and such, and I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah, uh, that even, seemed kind of fell flat for me too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but all in all, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I do think Oathbreaker specifically 
didn't come up until the last two scenes of the show, so we, we can discuss that in a moment when we, we get into spoilers. Um, but all in all, um, I, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, Mike, what about yourself? Um, I like the episode. Uh, I think it moved some things forward and gave us some interesting things to chew on. Um, I, I am amazed at how quickly it feels like each episode is going by. Um, they're giving us, for the most part, one scene for about 80% of the main storylines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we didn't get a Sansa story this week. We didn't get a Theon or, uh, Greyjoy. Greyjoy storyline this week. Uh, but we got most of, uh, many of the rest. In fact, we saw a return of a character we had not seen in three years. Um, but they're, they don't seem to be spending a lot of time there, and so nothing substantial and seems to be happening. But we've talked about this in prior podcasts, or I have, how things that don't seem to be significant end up turning out to be significant in hindsight. Um, I am curious. I was thinking about this. I, I would be love it when this whole series is over for some clever people with far too much time on their hands <laughs> uh, to go back through the entire series and re-edit it so you could follow just one storyline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, cool idea. Yep. like just watch everything that has Tyrion in it and, uh, okay. and you would move and watch, you know, as Tyrion moves in and out, you know, say from the Starks to the wall to the Red Keep and now to Esteros, um, and just see how the plays just, you know, because it feels like there's not a lot going on, but really it was just one short scene that had a minute. And we don't see a whole lot of development, therefore. But maybe when the pieces are linked together, it'd be interesting to see how they, um, how that story flows. Um, it would be just an, a curious experiment. No, that's that's a fair point. Um, I, I think at the beginning of uh, this season, we, we were discussing, possibly online as well, that we thinking that a lot of uh, the non-Westeros stuff was going to be just. Um, moving from A to Z slowly while everything else was going to move pretty quick, excluding the Arya story. But basically I'm meaning the Tyrion and the Daenerys, Daenerian, Targaryen storylines. Um, but yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. The one thing that is about this show is that even though it is an ensemble cast, a very large ensemble cast, it is done differently than, say, a lot of books or movies that do have large ensemble casts. Instead of everybody together in one spot, say, for example, John Carpenter's The Thing, where it's a large ensemble cast, it splits off to different areas. And so as a result, um, your point is taken well, Mike, which is we only get snippets. And um, and if you don't like one storyline, which I know, Eric, you, you happen to not like at least three, to my knowledge, the brand, uh, the um, Sand Snake one and the um, Greyjoy one, it can, somewhat, yeah, it can somewhat... <laughs> drag and, and cause issues uh i would think but um i guess you know they have to do some, do well, it the way they can but go they, on here. they skipped two out of three this week so that's about as good as i'm gonna get yeah there you go there you go um all right so uh i guess we'll throw out the spoiler now so if you haven't watched the episode go, go ahead and listen because we are going to discuss what we think uh critique and whatnot uh so uh, I guess we can begin. Um, so, yeah, one thing I noticed about uh, 
each episode this season, which is different than a lot of episodes from prior seasons, is that there's been a big reveal or a big surprise in all three episodes. For example, this one was the reappearance of a character we haven't seen in three years. Since we're in spoiler territory, I'll name that character. Uh, Rickard Stark, uh, the youngest son of Ned Stark, and his uh, uh, companion, the the wildling woman. I forget her name. Osha. Uh, Osha. Osha. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And He's then, the one that puts up all those posters in your break rooms. Uh, yeah, I am sorry. I don't get Organization it. for Safety Health. And never oh, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's all yeah. I've ever been able to think of when I hear her name. That's how I. That, that's one of the reasons I can remember her name. And I believe it. And then last week, uh, what was it? Was it the the death of Ross Bolton? I think. Uh, not, yeah, uh, I mean, Bruce, 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 Bruce Bolton. Bolton. Yeah, that was a unexpected. At least for me. I mean, Eric, you said you knew that was coming. <laughs> I was going to say that was totally not unexpected for me. Yeah, and then of course the first episode was uh, the Melisandre and. Um, what was the second thing in the first episode? There was two, Mike, that you said. Oh, That's the Sand Snake Rebellion. Brienne actually got her job done? <laughs> well, oh, and then, and of course... Oh, the Sand, the sand Snake's killing, yeah, doing the assassination. Right. Yeah, And and then, of course, last episode, too, we've, I forgot, obviously, was Jon Snow coming back to life, even though, again... Well, that, that wasn't so much a shock as, as in terms of that had happened as when. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, that was, was curious. Um this this one was was hugely interesting, I thought, because it's going to really hamper any. In other words, it makes the Boltons, or I should say, Ramsey now, right? There's only one, um, a little more strong in a sense, because now he has a huge, huge, huge bargaining chip uh, going forward. Um, so, all right, let's let's discuss. What do you guys want to talk about? Anything you want to bring up about those surprises, or do we want to? Well, let, let's let's actually go because Eric brought up the story, the the title, Oathbreaker. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes with a couple of different things here. It totally one, didn't go where I was expecting it to go, that's for sure. Well, one has to do with, with Jon Snow at the very end, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, you, you can argue... Um, I would say the Umber guy, right? With uh, the Umber. He, he right, refuses so, to bow, right? Right, if you go back to the first season... That's... Um, no, sorry, scratch that. Second season. Uh-huh. Yeah, with Rob uh, Stark. Yeah. With Rob Stark. When Rob Stark has declared himself King of the North, we meet um, Great John Umber. Okay. And Great John is the guy that starts, begins to defy uh, Rob in terms of who's going to be in charge of whom. Okay. Right. And where's the line here? Um, he chops his fingers off or something. Right. He says, uh, I'll not sit here and swallow insults from a boy so green he pisses grass. And he goes to withdraw his sword, and uh, the dire wolf attacks him and bites his fingers off. Okay. Um, and Rob Stark says, my lord taught me it was death to bear steel against your liege lord. Doubtless the great John only meant to cut my meat for me. And great John is holding his hand, and he says, your meat... It's bloody tough, you know, <laughs> and everybody laughs, and we're thinking this guy's a freaking psycho. It seems like he would be better on, uh, uh, on on uh, what's his name, Joffrey's team. But anyway, so this is his son. Great John is killed during the Red Wedding. The Umbers are supposed to be big, huge Stark loyalists, uh, but 
Rob does say uh, that if he doesn't, if he walks away with his men, if he doesn't follow orders, he says, I'll hang you for an oath breaker. Okay. So that kind of ties, so that's kind of well, ties it, back a bit to that. Right. And the Umbers, even though they were stock loyalists, they were good friends with the Carstens. And Carstarks. Why you Carstarks. Keep Carstarks. Carstarks. Yeah, I keep on thinking of the vampire and the Carstens, right? Um, but what happens is, is that I think the Umbers were closer to the Carstarks than they were with the, the Starks. So when Brob killed the Carstark leader, you could say that maybe they maybe lost the Umber loyalists, maybe a little bit. All right. So I was saying a lot of people are were apparently very upset over bringing back Rickon like this, and specifically. Uh, the fact that they killed uh, Shaggy Dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, my suspicion, before I even went back, I remember the Umbers, and but connecting the Umber, the, I guess his name is called Small John Umber, um, as the son of Great John Umber. Uh, I, I had to find out going and looking at comments by, uh, by the people who really are the diehards that know this that well. Um, so my suspicion is, uh, that this is sort of a Return of the Jedi thing going on. You know, where at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, you have Princess Leia come inside, bringing Chewbacca as a hostage, but it was just a matter of a way of getting herself inside Jabba's palace. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm wondering, you know, because he, re- remember he refused to take a loath, an oil, uh, an oldie loath, a loyalty oath. To um, to Psycho there, um, yeah, Ramsey. To Ramsey, so he refuses yeah. to, to swear loyalty to Ramsey and just gives him the gift. And we don't know if that's really Shaggy Dog or just a wolf head or from another dire wolf that got its head cut off. It it looks small to me. What about right? Guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah it so looked, it looked like a regular wolf rather than a dire wolf. Yeah, and they seem to really want us to suffer when they kill the dire wolves. Yes. Yeah. You know, they, they they like showing us that on screen uh, when that happens. So I don't think they would they would have done that uh, like that. So I I just have a feeling that this is a setup where you're going to find the Umbers turning on the Boltons. Uh, the Boltons once the confrontation with um, John uh, John Snow. And the wildlings and whoever else is in this, um, I have a feeling they're going to be betrayed from within. That's my suspicion. So do you I, think? I, do you think uh, it's they're going to betray because they say, "Oh, this is the wrong side," or do you think this is already the Trojan horse going in? I suspected that to begin with, and then as I went back and started re, I, and it was as I was reading more about this again, that this is like the right hand house for the Starks. You know, this okay. is this is their most loyal house. That Bran was sent there, not Bran. Rickon. Bran sent Rickon to the Umbers specifically because that's where he would be safest, um, oh, okay. and he knew they would yeah. protect him. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So now it's Game of Thrones. It's entirely possible. This is a I, I'm just reaching, and this is, you know, uh, you know, just. Another case of a child who doesn't live up to his parents' standard. To, to back it up, though, this conversation started with us talking about the title of this series. 
not the series, the episode, um, Oathbreaker. And if Upper just flat out refuses to take an oath, he's not really breaking any oath, is he? No, but he's pretending to. So you get that. You obviously have... Well, um, you, you could argue that he's breaking tradition because the oath you're supposed to take the oath and by not taking the oath to the head of the north which and at this time is ramsey he's breaking uh breaking something whether you yeah technically you could say it's not truly an oath that he's breaking but he's breaking tradition anyway well okay yeah and i think it's it's really debatable you're right if you take the 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 title literally at its most literal face value I'm not sure how much it applies to the episode, but if you give it a little wiggle room, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think they're going to have. If and again, this is assuming I'm. Let's pretend I'm right. I don't think they're going to call it pretending to be an oathbreaker because that might be a, that would be a spoiler. Um, you know, Jon Snow technically, you could argue, hasn't broken his oath that he fulfilled his oath. Well, and I was going to make that argument. <laughs> so. So um, there was what the title is referring to, right? So I mean, there might be one or two other things that pop up as we go along because I kind of remember there was, but let's um, let's see where we get. Okay. Well, since since we we uh, we're talking somewhat in depth about the Umber Bolton Carstock thing, we might as well just start there, even though it's near the end. At least that's my opinion. But if if you want, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and I tried. I think trying to do the episodes in chronological order of a screen time is uh, almost impossible and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So let's do it that way instead. Yeah. So all right, let's do that then. So, so all right, that's an interesting take, Mike. Uh, it never occurred to me that this was possible plant uh, where. Um, uh, Rickard, Rickin or whatever his name is, is there as a Trojan horse. Uh, but it does make sense, especially if the Umbers, that's where he was heading with Osha. And also if they are happen to, or happen to be the more loyal to, uh, a stock, uh, leader or stock, the stock family in itself. Um, my only, my only, my biggest reservation with this, um, is that it, in knowing that it's uh, it's Ramsey, and the fact that Small John seems to know Ramsey is as much of a cunt as his father. <laughs> I love that he wouldn't back off that. Um, it would seem really dangerous to hand him record uh, Rick and Stark, unless I guess because knowing they don't have Sansa. He becomes the one live link they have to the Stark legacy, and therefore something to hold uh, a little bit of power over the, the loyalists still remaining in the north. So maybe they are hoping that he won't do anything terrible to him. Uh, but we've seen Ramsey do an awful lot to Theon and still manage to keep him alive. Because he's kind of a psychopath. Right. So, like I said, that's that's my one reservation is that you know it's it's a really dangerous game to be playing at this point. Right. This isn't a Baelish a Baelish situation where he had no idea who Ramsey was, and so when he right. 
gave Santa as a for marriage to Ramsey. He didn't know that Ramsey was a psychopath because he had no information on the guy. However, the Karstaks, I'm not the Karstaks, the Umbers now most certainly do based off of uh, what Karstaks said. I mean, Umber said to Ramsey, but also being a northerner and knowing the whole situation and knowing the Boltons and all that other stuff, it, uh, yeah, so it, it, you're right, Mike. It's like taking a big chance. I mean, obviously, since it's a TV show and fiction, you would think the the good way would happen. In other words, all the things are going to fall the correct way be, you, be for the plot. Obviously, because it's in real life. However, obviously, it wouldn't happen that way, and the kid would probably be, you know, two eyes poked out with a leg chopped off, you know, um, and that probably won't happen um, here. But you're right; that's a that's a fair point if we look at it as a realistic situation. Um, what what about uh, Umber himself? I mean, you got Bolton kind of not really pushing the umbers that much uh, and i think it's because of the you could argue there was a checkoff gun in the prior episode when ramsey said all you need are the car stocks the umbers and whoever the third family was um though because those three have more soldiers than all the rest of the north families together so the umbers himself are a threat to bolton and the car stocks even if they are only say 80% the size of those two armies. Well, especially if they have joined forces with um, with the Wildlings. Sure, sure. And, and to be honest, there's other families that will most certainly join with the Starks over Bolton anyway, because we haven't met many of these families, but we did meet one of the characters in a flashback uh, this week as well, which was uh, uh, Howland, the Howland, Mira's father. As a young man with Ned, in one of the flashback scenes, he has a family, and they were are loyal to the Starks to the end. So they're you know they're not going to join with Bolton. So all in all, you you could I could see, like you said, the Wildlings, the Umbers. Assuming this is a Trojan horse, never mind various other families. Even if they're not even close to the size of the Umbers or the Karstarks or the Boltons, they're still going to be people who are going to choose sides and many of them will choose the stark side over the bolton side i would think yeah and i'm wondering if like this is something because he's clearly come into contact with the wild wings has he found out from them that there was this murder up north that they they killed john snow and maybe that's what pushed them into taking this step i don't think so i don't think they know that I don't know. Well, it'll be. I'm just. I'll be curious to see how this plays out. Anyway, so I thought that that just in terms of teasing us for things coming, this was one of the better scenes of the episode. I think. Yeah, yeah, and now it makes me even like it more, Mike, because it makes it more ambiguous based off and, of what you told me. And honestly, at this point, I was fully expecting like the final scene for Game of Thrones. You know, whoever sits on the Iron Throne or whoever destroys the Iron Throne and big victory celebration or whatever at the end and then the credits roll and I was half expecting at the end of the credits just to see uh, Gondry floating in a boat looking at a map trying to figure out which way he's supposed to be going and then see Rick and Stark floating in a boat nearby and say I don't know where I'm going either because th- those two storylines have been so completely dropped for so long 
you know, I just I just expected to never see see them again at this point. So I'm just happy that they brought him back. And I noticed that they didn't recast the character. Was that the same actor? I didn't even remember what he looked like. It, it was the same actor, yeah. Oh, that's surprising. I just assumed it was a different actor. <laughs> no, because he's, he's, he's gotten a lot bigger. He was... <laughs> I was going to say, he has aged. Yeah, he has aged. The only one that doesn't seem to be aging that much is uh, is uh, Gilly's baby, little Sam. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's probably recast multiple times. <laughs> so, he actually looked at him because I did. You do get a view of him in the episode because up till now he's been like a a loaf of bread under a blanket, right? You know, almost never actually saw his face. Well, so since you, since you brought it up, let's let's talk about a couple of the scenes that were really uh, just kind of placeholders, and that was one of them. Uh, was Gilly and Sam on the boat? They just kind of threw the scene in there to remind us that they exist. Um. And yeah, Sam's pretty much like heaving his guts out on the boat for some humor factor, and then he's like, "You can't stay with me because there's no girl allowed. Uh, you'll stay with my family." And she's like, "Well, okay, if you insist." Well, this and by the way, that you could argue might be another oathbreaker thing because he's not bringing her to Old Town with him, and he won't be with them anymore. I think uh, that that actually counts more than the other thing. It, it might, but I think it's not just to remind us that they're there because we, we haven't seen them in two episodes. Um, but I think also to reorient us to say this is where they're going to Hard Hill or something like that. Well, that's what I was going to say, Mike, because his father and his his family plays a big part in the the uh, Roberts Rebellion. And so I think um, this was, even though it's a seemed like a placeholder, and it really was, and it was unnecessary. It could have been like twenty seconds, which basically says we're going to. Um, that village you just mentioned, Mike, to possibly meet my father and the new family, the Mar- whatever his family's name is, I forget. But I know they played a big part in Robert's Rebellion. So, um, so that that may be what you said, you know, to orient us to that, maybe. Yeah, that's part of it, and they do give us a little character development in that um, they do have her referred to Sam as Small Sam's father, even though he's not technically right. Adopted even father, though he's right? not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's I think an important thing for those characters and uh, moving forward, and just a little bit of development for Sam, and we'll see if that gets him any respect or how that works with his father when he ends up back home, <laughs> right? If his father's even still alive, true. right? Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and well, and I know his father, based off of the Robert Rebellion, the the Game of Thrones book that I have, and all this other stuff. Plus, you can just go to a wiki of ice and uh, fire um th- th- he was originally on the targaryen side so he wasn't on the the quote-unquote good side um or the rebellion side at first so that'll be curious to see what this family where and where they stand um today meaning season six compared to the his history of westeros and will they play any part? I mean, it appears they're going to have to play some part, right? Because why would they introduce this whole new family, right? Right. Right. So. All uh, right, let's go to another short scene. Or, um, which one? Let's, let, let's, uh, let's hit uh, Marine real quick. Um, Marine, which one's that? Is, it, is that Danny? That's, oh, no, that's no, that's Tyrion, Tyrion. and uh, Varys. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the, the Varys scene was pretty cool. 
Yeah, but I don't understand the significance. Like, like the, the, that woman he was talking to, why do we care about her? Oh, she's, she's the one she that... She seemed fairly insignificant. She's she, We've seen her in season five a number of times. She was the one that set up Salman Barry to be killed. Okay. Uh, so, and she was the one that started the episode when they tore down the the um, giant Sphinx statue at, at the beginning of the, the season last year. She was the, the half-naked chick that was screwing the general and then killed the general with a, a dagger. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right, uh, and, and really it's just they are to give information. It's to move that story one step forward, that they find out who's funding the Sons of Harpy, and um, that the ones funded are the, and it's, um, what is it, it's Volantis and it's the other Astapor two and the other yeah. two cities, right. And so this is going to end up giving giving them something to do in the next couple of episodes. It's sort of like we pointed Sam and Gilly in a new direction and told the audience this is where they're going. Well, now we're pointing Tyrion in a new direction. Uh, and this is where they're going to be going, which is that they're going to be going after the ones funding the Sons of the Harpy. Yeah. And I think, again, it's character and development, especially for Varys, because I do think it's great that you have... One, he, he's, he doesn't threaten her. He says, I, I want to make people happy, right? I want to make you happy. <laughs> Ferris just has so much love to give. Well, and he, well, but I think he does, in a way. I mean, he can be ruthless in his own way, but he'd rather not be. Uh-huh. Um, and, well, yeah, well, that's the thing. For some, quote-unquote, mean people, they just would say, this is like Ramsey, this is it, and this is it. At least Varys, even though he would kill this woman if he has to, He's giving her a choice, and he's hoping her choice will help him, and he would be merciful and let her go. And he seems genuinely like hurt when she suggests that he's threatening her son. You know, he seems honestly shocked. He's like, "I wouldn't harm a child." And of course, we, that'll call back again when we get to Kyburn. Uh, but he I mean, he lays out the facts for, her, and he doesn't have to threaten her, and he doesn't ha- and he doesn't have to wish her harm. Because her actions have put herself in harm's way. She's killed the, the soldiers of the, of the queen. That's going to get her executed. See, and know, he's, I, trying to, he's trying to stop that from happening by saying, just tell us who gave you the money. Well, I, I think you're giving him too totally much credit. I, I was going to say, I was totally interpreting what he was saying exactly the way she was. Uh, yeah, me and too. He, and, and he was, you know, oh, I would never. I thought he was just like putting on an act because... He's he's really just by not threatening he is threatening. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's how I took it. Well, he's not threatening because he doesn't have to. She has put her son he's in jeopardy. The threat. He's not going to do anything. He doesn't have to. The child's going to be alone without a mother. Well, I I, I understand, but I mean, he, yeah, I see your point, Mike. But but still. He's being ruthless. At least I, I'm more with Eric on this. However, his ruthlessness is a little nicer than, say, most ruthless people. In other, in other words, you're, you're right, Mike, but I think you can look at it a little differently in a different perspective as well, which I think me and Eric are looking at it a little bit more, that he's not just trying to be nice. He's trying to be nice, however... And devious. And, and, yeah, and still devious, because he's willing to take her out if she says no, so he's giving he, her an he, option. Well, she's been caught. She's been caught red-handed. He doesn't have to take her out. The, the, right. well, the, the, queen, the, the Queen's guard will do it. 
the difference between I, I understand, but he's going to turn her into the Queen's Guard. So the the difference between her and I mean him and and Ramsey is that when Ramsey tells the people at the in the keep that if you come out, you know, you can all go home free. And then, of course, he lied. And he just kills him here. Varys is telling the, doing the same thing, which is if you tell me what you want, I'm going to let you go. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. And then he would have told them what he wanted, and he would have fed her to the dogs. That's what Ramsey would have done, exactly. So what R- Varys is doing is is that if she says no and won't help, he's still going to turn her over to the to the um, the queen's soldiers, so she gets executed when she does. Right, but but I think he's more genuinely interested in a in a positive settlement. I think he's far seeing enough to recognize her life doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. That she has a relatively valid point of view. In terms of the fact that you're dealing with um, hostile forces having invaded her city. But it would be much better to end off with her going away and being a friend than turning her into a martyr. Uh, yeah, all right. I see all, everything you're saying. I, I still think he is part of the machinations of what is wrong with this world. However, if I had to choose sides, he's obviously on the, on the better side. Because he has done terrible things in the past. And I really think that at the end of everything, uh, this whole thing, this whole Game of Thrones, uh, is going to come down to, to Littlefinger versus Varys. Oh, well, they, they are definitely the players on the opposite sides of the wheel, right? They are... Right. And they're right. manipulating their... Is that Varys is manipulating everyone at this point in, in Essos, and... Littlefinger is manipulating everybody in Westeros, and the white and the black are going to come together at some point. Right. So. All right. Unless, and it wouldn't surprise me, I, I would love to see that computer program that predicts who dies, um, if they eliminate a virus or a bailish, and, and that throws a whole wrench in everything, and then say someone, uh, whether it's a Sansa or a, a Daenerys or whoever comes out and says, now I can... I'm not going to be manipulated anymore, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. So. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And we talked a little bit about this offline because we don't see Littlefinger, and we ha- we haven't seen Littlefinger at all this year yet, right? He was no. in the uh, next time on Game of Thrones thing this week. Yeah, so we're going to see him. Yeah, we're going to see him next week. Yeah, it looks like yeah. But Littlefinger, Littlefinger has had nothing to do because he set all these balls in motion last year. You know, with with Sansa Stark. Right, with Sansa Stark and with Cersei, right, is that he got Cersei arrested when he conspired with Oleana. That's right. Or Olana, or Oleana. Yeah, we, <laughs> the, lady, uh, uh, the Queen of Thorns. The, uh, the Biggs, Mrs. Biggs. Yes, and and um, and really he has to wait to see how those play out before he can take a next step. And those balls haven't stopped bouncing yet. So we'll see where he comes up. Apparently next week, but yeah. All right. So, uh, and the other scene I thought was really mostly filler was just the scene with Danny. Uh, I mean, she arrives at the temple. We knew that was going to happen. She's there now, and whatever. Yeah, because w- basically <laughs> the other w- other widows say you're no better than the rest of us. We all thought we were going to be taking over the world with our, you know, Kyle. And our Kyle got killed or died too early, just as yours. You're no different than us. However, we all know that's just filler because we know she's not going to be stuck there, and we know she's going to get out. 
I was going to say, we'll see if they change her, their opinions when uh, her dragon shows up. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm thinking, okay, this is an interesting storyline, but we know that, okay, this isn't where da- Daenerys' story ends because it's like, okay, she goes in there, she stays there forever, and okay, that's the end of her storyline. She's out of the show forever. <laughs> right. It's not going to happen, so it is what it is. But, but uh, I, again, I'll give them credit for some economy of storytelling. They give us the scene, they jump in, and they say, okay... We said we're sending her to the old age home. She's in the old age home. We'll set up the old age home. We're gone. Moving along until we're going to ignore them until we get to the next big event, which is, I guess, going to be the the grand meeting of the all the cows, whatever that would be called. Oh, right, right, right. The, yeah. the cows moot or whatever it's going to be. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe the dragon, as Eric said, will appear before any of that even happens. So who knows? It'll be interesting. Or maybe but, we'll show up during it. That would be awesome. Right. And we do also see in the previews, if you have HBO now, uh, that uh, Jorah Mormont and his sidekick there uh, arrive. So it appears that story may move quicker. She'll be out of there quicker than we think, based off of how th- storylines are moving pretty quick this season. Yeah. Um, but there was um, one other scene, Eric, okay, there. The Daenerys scene, right? I mean, yeah. uh, the, the Tyrion scene, right? Oh, the Tyrion scene was just... They were trying to be funny, and it didn't really work for me. Uh, and it just... Uh, it's it's the only time that I haven't really enjoyed uh, having Tyrion on screen, because what was happening was just kind of lame. Yeah, the only reason for that scene was to get him on screen, because... What what happened was is that after the stupid little jokes between him and Grey Worm and Marina or whatever her name is, um, Varys shows up and basically says everything that uh, the woman that he was threatening uh, told him. Basically, instead of having her tell him, they they do it where Varys right. tells Tyr- Tyr- Tyrion, so we could just get Tyrion on screen. I think. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I don't. Um, I, I I see. I liked. The setup of the scene, the idea that he's stuck with two people who won't talk, and Tyrion needs to talk. Um, and I did like the line of, you speak 19 languages, surely you must use one of them. Um, <laughs> but then it just kind of went past its welcome. And I, and I almost cried when they went back to, did you ever? Um, right. And it's not their fault, but I mentioned, I think, on the last Dark Discussions podcast that I've seen like three instances of that in the last two weeks used in movies and TV shows. And, and I'm, I'm about done with have you ever as a plot right. device. Uh-huh. I, I don't know, get it. Like, what, what, what do you mean? Have you ever? I'm, I'm confused. The, the drinking game that he wanted to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is a Westeros version of have you ever, or never have I ever or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And really the main thing there was to get, Varys in, say what he learned, and move forward. And that could have happened about 60 seconds quicker. It could have happened 60 seconds quicker, or it could have happened where that woman just tells Varys. <laughs> I was going to say. They and and just, we wouldn't even need that. Yeah, they could have just skipped Tyrion this episode, and honestly, I think it would have played better, but that's just my opinion. Uh, I think it actually just comes better rather than going through the whole interrogation thing and questioning just to give this give the sum up the summation. But anyway, but but, um, but, you're, but you're, then if that's the case, Mike, yeah, they could have done it sixty seconds earlier. Right, what he said, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, Arya. Let's get Arya out of the way. Arya. 
Arya, I liked her this week. I liked this story because, again, they, they, it was a really good I, – for me, I found an effective montage and a uh, good compression of time. Yes, yes. Uh, we get a we get a montage of Arya going through her uh, no name training. Uh, pretty much, they show us scenes of her fighting with Waif, uh, interspersed with dialogue of the Waif trying to test her the same way Shaka and Hagar used to uh, by asking her questions and then smacking her if she lies. Um, and then at the end of the whole montage, he takes her to the well where previously um, someone came in. And Arya gave them water out of this well, and it killed them. So Jacques and Hagar takes her to this well and gives her a cup of water from it. And she's like, (laughs) and he says to her, if a girl truly has no name, she should not be afraid. And she goes ahead and drinks the water. And instead of killing her, it gives her her eyesight back. Right. I mean, nothing, nothing here was surprising. I mean, it was well done, and it was actually an enjoyable uh, scene for Arya, the whole the whole sequence. But, again, it, this is stuff we all knew was going to happen sooner or later anyway. Uh, the only thing that was interesting, I think, I mean, not, I mean, the whole thing was interesting, but the only thing that really uh, stuck out was the well, because I'm curious now, was the water actually poisoned way back, or is the gods changing the water depending on who drinks out of it? I think it's the latter. Or or whatever is doing. Because one of the reasons that she went blind is that they said that she used the mask when she wasn't ready. Um, and that's the reason she went blind. And mm-hmm. so I, I so whatever, she hasn't learned how to use the force yet. <laughs> and once she has, and she finally does say, I am no one in a way I found convincing. Right. Uh, so credit to the actress there. So it wasn't just a case of that she's just not able to sell it; is that she wasn't supposed to sell it. But when she right. had to, she did. Um, I had been working on the, the question. I forgot to bring it up last week. I was thinking that perhaps because we've only seen two people in the temple, right? And that's been Jakan Hagar and the Waif, right? Right. And we've seen both of them present in the temple. We've never seen a third person, but then we saw one of them die last season right commit suicide so i was thinking that was a third person though wasn't it well it, it has to, had to be yeah you end up with a body on the floor and then you end up with a wave standing there and then jack and hagar walks up behind her again yeah. right so i was wondering if this whole time this season not previously mm. that the wave and jacan hagar had been the same faceless person just doing a solo version of good cop bad cop but then you do actually see the two of them together. So that whole idea went away. So, yeah, so there has to be at least a third faceless person in the mix somewhere who is dead. And who knows it, which one is the one that she's actually dealt with originally, if it was any of them. Um, well, I know in the books it's not Jagan Hagar. Right. But it makes sense for economy of storytelling to stick with an actor that you know works and the audience is familiar with rather than introduce a brand new face. Yeah, and he has a cult following, as we know. Like uh, Michelle Barkley, one of our listeners, thinks he's one of the best characters. Okay. Yeah. Well, and uh, I did particularly enjoy the sequence where uh, the Waif is asking her questions about Arya Stark, and she's talking about her her death list, 
uh, and she she finally I think she finally admits it to herself uh, that by the time the hound died, he wasn't on her list anymore. That right. she had taken him off. Uh, I thought that was cool to hear her say that out loud. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. The waif knew she was lying and would hit her until she admitted, yeah, I, I took him off because I, I basically liked him and, and I didn't consider him an enemy anymore. But she does, she did say some interesting things, which is, I liked him, but I had issues with him because she still remembers the butcher boy, obviously. Uh-huh. And and she's now down to three, three people. Yeah. Cersei? Yeah, because the Red Witch isn't listed anymore. You remember, that one disappeared like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and it was Cersei's. It was the mountain, mm-hmm. and I think that was it. Right, the third one There's, was there. There was one other. There was okay. Who the hell would it have been? Yeah, but I can't remember either. Really, there was a third one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, Cersei the mountain. There was and there was one other on her list. Um, but somehow oh, she knows. Oh, every- uh, maybe it was Jamie. Was it Jamie? I don't think so. I don't remember it was Jamie. Yeah. I swear to God, we do actually watch the show, folks. Was it Hot yeah. Pie? No. Um, it wasn't Pie So, was it? Or Pie So, what was it? I don't no. know who the hell it was. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, she killed oh, 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 I know who it was. Walter yes. Frey. Walter Frey. Walter Frey. Right, Walter yes, Frey. right. Because, yeah. right, because he killed Rob. Okay. Right. Well, the Starks have so many freaking enemies. Um, wait till she finds out about Sansa, then she's going to have to put... Well, the, uh, for Walder Frey, it was Rob's fault. I mean, Frey obviously shouldn't have killed him, but he yeah. definitely was definitely should have not been friends with him after what Rob did to him. Well, and she was also she's still a teenage girl, so she doesn't give a shit about whose fault it is. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this: Did 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 you hear the rumor? Uh, someone posted on our Facebook group. Uh, if you want to go join our Facebook group, uh, just look for Dark Discussions Podcast because you know nothing, John Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast is under that uh, group on Facebook. And someone posted that the rumor of that Jacar, whatever his name is, is actually possibly her swordsman from way back that taught her how um, to I've heard that theory. I've also seen people claim they debunked that theory. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I just thought it was an interesting thing because we know he's from that town or that city. Uh-huh. He's from Bravos, right. Yeah. Um, and he was supposedly killed by the Kingsguard guy that. But well, we never see it. Killed last. Yeah, yeah. But we never see it exactly. So they always say either, because there was another one that someone posted today about the uh, Hound and is he really dead? Because we didn't see him die. You know. So. Oh goodness! Every uh, here's the thing with this show. Okay, because like at the very end of the first season, Ned Stark died and he was like our main dude he was our main character he's the one that's supposed to come out on top and he didn't uh and so at that point everybody starts looking for the twist and looking for the twist and looking for the twist and so now they're looking for every fucking twist possible and then when one happens they're like oh well that was predictable because like, oh i knew john snow was yeah. coming back well yeah because that's where they are at this point and if you're going to pick a show apart like you do with this one you're you're not going to be surprised. So either stop picking the show apart, but if you're going to pick the show apart, don't complain about not being surprised. Well, plus you have everybody with a half-assed idea posting it, so every half-assed idea is out there. Um, so you and some of them are bound to be right, just because you know, just on the throw this shit against the wall and see what <laughs> right. sticks theory, right? If you postulate every single theory available, one of them is going to be correct. Right, if, like, I mean, 
I guarantee you, if in the last episode aliens come down from space and force everyone to stop fighting, someone will say, see, I sold you. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that you had good powers of deduction. I think in this case, again, it's just something that happens off screen. It reminds me of um, of George Lucas, right, when Boba Fett dies, going back to another Return of the Jedi reference, right? He he's goes gets pushed down the Sarlacc pit, and then people start writing stories about how Boba Fett survives and Boba. But Fett we saw him get burped. We saw the guy. The we saw him get burped, right? But still, does no good. So, so when you get to the Phantom Menace and Darth Maul, he says, "Okay, I don't want to deal with this shit again. I'm going to show people. I'm going to show Darth Maul get cut in half right. on screen. We're going to watch his." Two parts of his body tumble down the shaft. There will be no questions about his death. And, and, related to and, and, and it didn't work. It did not work. He came back in the Clone Wars cartoon. He's back in the in the the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. Okay, they brought him wait, back. This is a Game of Thrones podcast. So, what, so, what, my, what? so my point being that no matter how decisively you kill somebody, there will be people who will not let go if they like the character. Stannis lives. Exactly. <laughs> Case in point. Fair enough. So I think I think it's sort of like uh, with Naked Gun, where Ricardo Montalban spills over the the edge of the stadium, and like, what is he dead? I don't know. And then a, you know, a truck runs over him, and then a steamroller oh, yeah. rolls over him. Right? Just 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 like, nope, dead, 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 definitely dead. So yeah, it's. Um, uh, I, there, I would have to see more now. You and you, this is, by the way, if you want, there was a conversation with the Hound, where she's talking about Grandmaster Pycelle, greatest swordsman in all the world, and he's like, you know, Lord Fuckface killed the greatest swordsman in the world. Pycelle, was it yeah, Louis Serio Pharrell? Serial Pharrell, sorry, Serial Pharrell. Yeah, yeah. The I'm thinking about this world. old guy with the sword. I'm sorry, Serial like, Pharrell, <laughs> the world's greatest swordsman, is killed by uh, what's his name, the the King's Guard. Yeah, the guy that uh, got wiped out last year. I forget his yeah, name. he said he he Barristan. lost because he didn't have armor. Barristan Selmy, Barristan Selmy killed the greatest sword in the world. Um, no, it wasn't Barristan Selmy. It was the uh, it was the dude she killed. Uh, fuck. Yeah. yeah um, anyway, ah, but the, too many characters. Exactly. Um, we know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> That's what we should have named the podcast. <laughs> um, so anyway, right, so that's, uh, so, so that opened the door. But people, right. it was, that was meant to mock Arya believing that this was the world's greatest swordsman, but probably introduced some people's doubt going, oh, maybe he didn't really die. Right. And then you start, you introduce the faceless man, and... You know what? It's it's an it's a theory that you can't disprove because there's no counter evidence. And well, if they really the, wanted, the they could it, do it. It's religion. Here's, well, here's the thing: when it comes to the whole this, this House of Black and White religion, uh, even it, because they have that whole wall of faces, even if you see somebody with a face, you don't know it's that person. Um, because these people become no one and then just put on a right. face of whoever the fuck they want to be. Uh, so are Serial Pharrell and Jack and Hagar the same person? Maybe. We'll never know. And you never know who the actual person is, so what does it matter? Marin Trent. Yeah, thank you. I, yes, I, I, ha I've had, I have one notebook, and there's a page devoted to every episode since we started doing the podcast you know, on Game you know, of Thrones. Yeah. Well, even for going back 
when we did the like after I think oh. season three we did it for uh, the yeah, season Duxton finale. Podcast. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I've got every episode in here, so it just took me to look back. Um, so so uh, let's let's move on. Um, yes. And any further things about the Arya storyline that was? I'm, of I'm just happy it's going to finally move somewhere for else. Yeah, and, and it is still the one that I really have no freaking clue where it's going. Well, I, I put this. In, I, I'm with Eric on one point, which is, yeah, we we had enough wax on, wax off, Karate Kid crap. Let's just have our character do something. And two, um, I'm still thinking she's going to go and kill Cersei's or someone that's in power that will change the whole dynamic of the show because that will be uh, cause a a vacuum or or a gap in power where somebody will have to fill it. And I think that's what her storyline, the only point of her storyline, will be eventually. It could be, but it's going to have to wait for a while because we've got a couple of wars to get through before she, she can do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking there's going to be another thing where she's going to pull a thing with the Hound where it won't be the Hound, obviously, but it'll be her traveling from Bravos to somewhere in King's Landing, but it's going to take, like, eight episodes, you know, she'll probably do a little adventure. It'll be like the Incredible Hulk, where she'll do an adventure in, in the Sand Snakes, and then she'll do an adventure here, and then eventually she'll find... It'll be, like, here we go, it'll be the adventures of Arya and and Maester Sam. There you go. There you go. So, alright, so I think that's pretty much it, but I agree, it's, it's just, we'll see, at least it's going somewhere now. Uh, what section next? What section next? I think the next short one we have is the other Wax On, Wax Off with uh, Bron, uh, not Bron. Brand? Brand, brand, yes, yes. Brand. Brand? Brand? Yeah, yeah. yes. I like this episode, this part very much because it brings us to the important the Robert Rebellion stuff because I think that's a cool story, uh, even if it technically is. Uh, I mean, it must have something to play in the eventual end game, but it, it's it's very interesting anyway. So yeah, let's let's get on talking about it. Well, well, I did do some before, research last before, night before yeah, we on. talk about the plot. Yeah. Uh, is it just me, or does the actor playing a young Ned Stark look an awful lot like Neil Patrick Harris? I actually thought he looked like Orlando Bloom. Yeah, okay. I was a little bit more on the Orlando Bloom, but I think they did a good job of making him up to be a young Sean Beam. Okay. Bean. Yeah. I said Beam. I didn't mean Beam. I meant Bean. That's right. Um, I, I, I did some research last night on uh, the Roberts Rebellion, and uh, I did discover, and it, this puts into some play what you said, uh, Eric, which is how you think Jon Snow may be a son of Robert Baratheon. And even though some people say he may be the son Actually, of... Actually, you know, you know what, Phil? Joanna uh, Robinson totally proved me wrong on that. Okay, well, let me, let me say why it's interesting, because we find out that Robert Baratheon's gra- uh, grandmother, his mother's mother, is a Targaryen. So he is Targaryen, Robert Baratheon. Okay. So, the royalty, they all fuck each yeah, other. <laughs> yeah, so similar, similar to Europe. But anyway, um, so uh, that, I thought that was just a curiosity of interest to note that uh, Targaryens are in the blood of the Baratheon family, which was uh, interesting. And they kind of eliminate it or don't talk about it much on the show, which is interesting. Um, okay, so let's uh, get into what we want to say. Uh, any further things you wanted to bring up? You mentioned something about... Uh, well, I, my understanding is a lot of the, the book fans online were... Uh, this was like flashback of blue balls because they took them right to the point that they wanted to get to and then said, 
Tune in next week. <laughs> well, and um, it probably it probably won't be until uh, ten two episodes from now, yeah, or, or maybe even longer, you know, because now he's going to go back to a different time, and they're going to skip this all together until who knows when. Right. I got to well, say the th- the three eyed crow is kind of a dick because he keeps on taking Brand of these things and just went against the trees. He's like, no, we got to go now. Brand's like, fuck you, let me see what's in the tower. And he's like, well, <laughs> you'll never get back. I want to know what's there. It's God like, damn. It's a convenient plot device to keep you from learning what we don't want you to learn yet. Oh, I know. We need need to save things for other episodes. Excuse me. I do think the big thing is, um, I I think it's the fact that the reveal, whatever it is, because some people think you're going to find out Tyrion's a a Targaryen, or is it Jon Snow is a Targaryen, whatever it is. So whatever is cooking up in that tower... um, is going to be important, but I don't think the main plot line is caught up to the point where the payoff will be as as, uh, as impactful. Right? Does that well, make sense? Uh, well, I, th- I mean, I'm thinking that the payoff is is that she's going to die, or he's going to find his sister up there, almost dead, and that she gave birth to a baby Jon Snow. And that the father is going to be... Uh, the same father as Daenerys. Daener- 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 yeah, and I and I apologize because that's a theory that's been around for a long time. If I apologize if that is a potential spoiler for anybody, but I am guessing that if you are enough of a Game of Thrones nerd to be listening to our podcast, <laughs> that this is not the first time you've heard of it. Right. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, uh, you know, whatever. If they, it is what it is. I have no problems talking about it. Um, again, this is just stuff I did research on. I didn't read anything. I, no one knows. This is just guesses. Even people who've read the book are just guessing this, right? <laughs> right. So, so it's not like we're spoiling anything. I, I, I'm done with people bitching about spoilers. Because uh, yeah. I actually kind of liked, uh, I think it was two years ago, Stephen King tweeted a comment about Game of Thrones and apparently just got a flood of tweets about spoilers. Uh, and his response was, People, the books have been in print for over a decade. Get over it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and in theory, we're past the books anyway. Right. Except for the Greyjoy story. So it's all just conjecture. Exactly. So anyway. basically, we have this flashback with Ned and his cronies. Uh, one of whom is Osha. Not Osha. Is it Osha's father? No, no, no. Mira's Mer- Mer- okay. father. It was yes. I got Howland Reed, Mira's father. Howland Reed, the other female uh, brand crony, um, <laughs> and they're fighting this guy. Who is this dude that they're fighting? Explain that. Okay, I, I did the research last night. Um, there were three men that were protecting the castle uh, or the Tower of Joy, as it's called, and they they were king's guard, king's guards, and it was the head of the king's guard. And then two of his fellow warriors, and one of those two fellow warriors is considered the greatest f- fighter in in Westeros, and that's well, the guy with the two swords. Like so, so the head of the King's Guard isn't actually the the best fighter, but he's the boss. And then there's two others, and one of them is the best fighter. And so they're there to protect what's in the tower and not allow anybody in the tower. Based off of, and they're still loyal to the Targaryens, even though the Targaryens are supposedly all killed now at this point. Okay. I don't know if it was specifically stated in the episode, but 
anybody who's read the books or if they had more time to fill in, they would have probably explained what this was because it was. I was kind of confused too, Eric. It's like, who are all these people? What's going on here? Why? What's the? And so I had to re- read what it was. What? What is this? And then that's what what I found out. So. Well, I gotta say that one dude was not the good sword fighter. Yes, uh, his name was uh, Sir Arthur Dane. Was the guy with the two swords, the powerhouse, and right. then the other two were um, Oswell Went and the Lord Commander of the King's Guard, Gerald Hightower. And basically, they were told to watch the Tower of Joy and not let anybody go in. And the Tower of Joy was named by Rhaegar Targaryen, who was the father That's of great. Daenerys. And the, no, he was the son of the Mad King. Okay. And he was the one that was married to Orbel Martel's sister. You killed my sister! <laughs> you raped her! Yeah, so, uh, however, he was, um, he had kidnapped or, uh, Ned Stark's sister, Lysana, and, and the rumor was is that the sister was in that tower, supposedly. As, and I believe we were told that last night in the episode because that's why Ned basically was there. Um, and so Ned brings six of his companions, who one was Holland Reed, and four red shirts, <laughs> or five red shirts. Yeah. So that, that's 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 the setup. Uh, that was not explained well enough on the episode. But I think the point we're supposed to get is that Bran was always told the story about how uh, the Dane guy was the best sword fighter around, and Ned beat him uh, in combat. When, according to the vision. That's not what happened. Uh, Ned just kind of was a distraction while somebody else snuck up behind him and stabbed him in the back. Yeah, well, uh, Howland Reed, as a matter of fact. Right, and, and which at which point um, Bran, in deference to his sister, who is still blind at this point, makes sure he announces to the entire audience, he stabbed him in the back! Just in case, <laughs> right. just in well, case we didn't notice exactly what had happened a second earlier. This all seems stupid to me because, first of all, they were all fighting, meaning the three Kingsguard and Ned and his cronies were all fighting like, you know, a battle where, you know, you just stab anybody you can. It wasn't like, I'm going to, you know, match up with you and therefore no one else can touch you. That was, and that's not how it was. It was just, you know, swinging swords and whoever you killed, you killed. And then it was a war and there was, was, what's that? I, I think the point is that uh, whatever actually happened there, uh, the story that was told afterwards oh, was that Ned was doing one-on-one combat with this guy and beat him, and that's exactly. a story that Bran has always been told. And so he's finding out that he just his father didn't necessarily give him the truth about everything, and that's an important revelation for him. Yeah, right, because because that means that a whole other parts of the story, like oh, who Jon Snow's father is. Yeah. Um, may also be untrue. Right. And so this, there's a couple of things here is that, um, the victors make the history. So in other words, they say what happened, even though it may have not been the truth. Right. And that's one aspect that was interesting, even if the, the victors were quote unquote the good guys. And the other interesting thing is, is that, uh, which, Surprise! I guess it's not as 
interesting as I thought based off of your point, Eric, which is the real point of the whole scene was to show that uh, the Ned was the mythology around Ned wasn't as a hundred percent true. But I still thought that's how you should have done it, which is Howland Reed should have stabbed the guy in the, in the neck and killed him because who cares? The point is, is you just get rid of him because he's trying to stop you from getting you know moving forward. Right, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, yeah, but Brand, I think Brand uh, was a uh, surprised because it's not the story he was told, and B, he is Ned Stark's son, uh, so he's got that whole pesky honor thing going on. Yep, that's right, that's right. Uh, so do you guys think, because of this, this little myth about how Ned fought one-on-one and won, well, is it really that dishonorable, or does it even really matter? I don't, I don't think it even matters. I, I think care. ultimately it will be revealed that that is not the only mistruth that Ned told. Right. So, right. Okay. All right. So this is just like, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's a scumbag. He was just saying tr- falsehoods to protect Jon Snow, maybe. Right. Well, or or or, uh, well, we'll see. Oh, they so they, they need a they need a. There's two issues at stake here. You have Jon Snow. And then you have the realm. And I have a feeling there were fictions told to justify retroactively or Robert's claiming of the throne, his position on the throne, to shore up his support. And not everything that transpired maybe happened the way that it was told. So even if they were, quote-unquote, the good guys, they may have said some lies to shore up that they had the power. Right. Okay, I can buy that. Because as we know, uh, um, well, we don't, we don't know necessarily. I mean, people who are familiar with the history of Westeros and the Roberts Rebellion, basically what happened was Ned's father goes to the king, the Mad King, to say, we want uh, your son to give us back our kidnapped daughter. And then the Mad King arrests him and burns him to death. And then Ned's brother comes to, because he heard that his his sister was kidnapped and his father was killed, is about to get killed, and he gets captured too, and then he gets choked to death is what the history of Westeros is. That could even put into question was any of that true too, and was the king even mad? Right. We'll find out, maybe. Interesting. I hope I didn't spoil anything by saying that, right? I mean, maybe I did. I, don't know. I can delete uh, it. If well, this, I, I think I think we've don't got. Don't worry st- about spoilers. Our our show is spoilerific. I'm saying I think we've got stories from Jamie, who was there enough to to believe that the king was insane, was was mad, or at least a a, a, a psychopath. A, yeah, yeah when, like Ramsey level fuckhead. Yeah. When when Jamie told his story, I bought it. All the way. I, I don't think he was making any of it up. Me too. I, I'm, I'm right there with her. Yeah. So even if, if Jamie is a questionable character based off of what he's done in the past, I believe that story anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay, so anyway, I and then we, we cut out and... Rang gets right. pissed because he got the... Miss, he missed the ending again. Just like us. three-eyed crow. He's like... Yeah. Dude, I drank the large soda. I got to take a leak. We got to go. <laughs> go back, go back to Sweden, you bastard. 
That's what I said. Oh. Uh, and so, right. really, uh, is there anything besides Jon Snow that we haven't talked about? King's Landing. Oh, oh yes, right, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. All right, so... Um, uh, uh, well, there's two major things, right? There's the the Cersei's and Jamie go to the, the the council, and then and we see meet Kevin again, Kevin Lannister, and then Tommen goes sees the Sparrow, right? Yeah. No. Oh, and Kyburn, we see Kyburn with the sparrows, with the little birds. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. Let's that, talk about that first, because those are supposedly those are Varys's little birds. Yes. I think yes. So. And he's he's trying to steal them. Well, yeah, because they say, "Is he ever coming back?" We liked Lord Varys, and he says, "Probably not," uh, because you know he's a, a dick who, tra- who let go a traitor who murdered the king. <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, he basically says, "Probably not coming back." And so, well, he used to give us candy. He's like, "Oh, I've got some candied plums here, and mm-hmm. um, wouldn't you like some of those, little children?" <laughs> Yeah, creepy. Uh, yeah, um, but it do, it does start to get the idea across as to why people believe that Varys liked little boys, right? Um, is he did have a fondness for children? That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, well, he was also castrated, so what's the point? Yeah, but I mean, people said, but the point is that he did have a thing, not a sexual thing, uh-huh. but he did hang. We, we would have been seen hanging around children quite a bit, and that okay. would be a, an explanation as to. Right. Why? It was because he was using him as spies, not because he was a pervert. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Now, I did like the moment in this scene when Jamie is asking about uh, the mountain and basically, like, does he even understand anything? I mean, as as much as he ever did. And then the mountain just, like, turns his head really sharply right at him. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and then, and then Quay, Quayburn goes, he, know, he, he understands enough. <laughs> I like yeah, that. Yeah. That was all I wrote in my notes was he understands. That's Yes, that's... he under, he understands. Uh and uh, then we go back to the council and uh Pycelle is going off about how unnatural the mountain is and how they never approved that experiment to be done and, and it's one of those things where where uh he's going on while they walk into the room talking about how they should destroy the mountain. And I I watched this scene twice more just to make sure I didn't hallucinate this. But I thought it was like below Game of Thrones standards that, okay, Cersei and Jamie and the mountain come walking into the room while he's talking about having the mountain destroyed for being unnatural. Uh, and then everything goes silent. And then they put a fucking fart noise in there. <laughs> like Pycelle lets out a little fart. What the fuck is that? I uh are you sure it was Pycelle and not like your cat? Because I don't I don't I didn't catch that. I watched it three times. It's it's there. Watch it watch it again. There's a little fart (laughs) noise they put in there. Anybody? I was just like, What? Did they really yeah, they really I I, I think I missed it because I was just too much in shock to see Pycelle going on and on and everybody else just like their mouth dropped open like uh he's right behind you, you dumbass. Yeah. And right after he stops talking and, and, and the whole room goes silent, there's a little fart noise. And I, I thought that was a little, uh, a little juvenile. juvenile. Yeah. Uh, From, but, it, uh, yeah, it was there. I, all right. I missed it. I'll have to go back and, and watch it, I guess. 
not that I'm hearing farts, but I, I didn't hear any farts. I think there there was something that went by real fast. Um, that the mountain's going to be going to trial of combat again. Oh yeah. Oh, they that's uh, what they want to happen. Well, yeah, that presumably yeah. now either with, he with, won't with be allowed who? to be with her who? champion. With who? Well, whoever it is that fights for her, uh, for the sparrow, some uh. poor religious bastard. So, but I'm again. I I suspect that something would go well wrong with that scenario. Well, and either, I don't even know if the if the if the church does that. If the church is like trial by combat, they'll probably be like, uh, "No, that's not what we do. Repent." Well, that is supposed to be right trial trial of the gods that you're leaving it in the gods' fates, and if they want you to be free, you'll win. So it wouldn't shock me if these if that's going to be part of the church thing. So either one, they're going to sit there. We're going to have the mountain be my stand-in, and they're going to go, "No, we don't do that." Or the mountain's going to go in after all this build-up, and I don't know. Arya is going to be there and stick a sword up his pooper or something. This and and end it quickly. <laughs> so. So or some, somehow that that will end up being a, that whole contest will be end up being flipped around. But um, yeah, so but, that looks like we're getting another trial by combat. But I, I, you know what? I'm thinking the mountain will win because they got to eliminate the sparrow so they can move on to the more important storylines, which will be well in Eric's eyes and probably mine too. Not as important, but important in the whole scope of things, which is the sand snake issue. Uh yeah. Never, never mind the Bolton issue because you know the right. Lannisters want to get revenge on the Boltons now. And I, on, so. I would be awfully surprised if the if the head sparrow agrees to a trial by combat. Um, that being said, I did think that uh, Lady Olena got off the, the best line of the episode because um, when they come in and they start talking about let's talk about uh, the imprisonment of the Queen and Cersei's like, yes, well, we we do need to talk about everything I've been through. And Lady Olenna's like, you're not the queen, dear. You're not married to the king. Although I understand how in your family these things can be quite confusing. <laughs> that was good. Right. Well, well, then, then Kevin Lannister had a great line too, which is, which is, well, you can't. Uh, we're not leaving. And he goes, well, I guess we'll leave them. And they all just get yes. up. Like, oh. <laughs> you can't make us leave, and you can't make us stay. So da da da. Yeah. Um, but I think that's important because it shows right now it's a civil war. Well, Division. besides civil, it's that that Cersei and Jamie are basically keeping each other's counsel, and they're not going to be getting the best of advice. Right. Well, you got to remember though, they still have Quai Gorg or whatever his name is, and he's pretty Quiburn. smart. Yeah, yeah. Quiburn. He's pretty smart. It's psycho. Yeah, so I, I don't know that I would. I mean, this is this is this is, by the way, like the the council 4.0, and it's like they keep knocking off the best members of the administration. Uh-huh. So this is like here is our seventh choice for master of the coin. So even so, I don't know how great this council would be. They they weren't that good even before though, because they were all yeah. corrupt bastards. But I see your point though, Mike, because at least the corrupt bastards could at least work. These new people, whether they're corrupt or not. Are just incompetent, right? I guess is what you're implying. Uh, they might not be as competent as some of the other iterations of the council we've seen. Right. I certainly think it was better when you had Varys 
and Littlefinger and Tyrion on the on the council. Absolutely. Oh, oh, and Charles Dance too. He knew what he was doing. Right. Yeah, he was a powerhouse. Um. So yeah, yeah, that'll be curious. Well, we don't know uh, enough yet about Kevin Lannister and Lady whatever her name is and all that because they haven't showed him much. But they could be pretty important too. It's well, just Lady Elena, I think, is would would be wise counsel for anybody. Um, she might and make it entertaining as well. Um, but I think uh, the father of the Tyrells uh, is a bit of a a oh, ponce. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. True. yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. That's and Pycelle is just a dick. He yeah, may be a learned opportunity. dick, but he's a dick. I don't think he's a dick so much as he's just compl- uh, he's a fool. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think he's wise. I, I don't understand how he's a maester. It makes no sense to me. Well, we've seen in the past that he that that's a role he plays. Yeah, he's the medicine man, right? Right, he's but that he's that he is that he is smarter than he lets appear because it's a way of of, yeah, a, of having a hand up on the people around him. But it okay. still makes him completely ineffective as a member of the council. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the scheming. Uh, of say Varys or Baelish, even if he's as smart as both of them, type of thing. Right. Um, so what, let's let's talk about Tommen because I just mentioned like a week ago or maybe our last episode that what happens if Tommen becomes part of the cult? And after this scene, I was like, oh, maybe he, maybe I was right and I wasn't a hundred percent serious, but maybe I'm gonna, I am right. What do you think? I don't think so. Uh, I actually thought that uh, this is the first real character development we've gotten in Tommen. Um, I really liked him in this episode because uh, he. I I don't think he's ignoring the sparrow, but I don't think he's buying it hook like hook line and sinker either. Um, and it's the first time he's actually acted kingly. Uh, in, in the moment where uh, he's he's starting to have this heated discussion with the head sparrow, and then realize that uh, his troops are getting a little close, and tells tells him to back off. Um, so he's not there yet. He's got a ways to go. I think uh, there would be hope for Tommen if he weren't surrounded by a bunch of evil fuckheads. Uh, if he actually had some good counsel, uh, I think he could end up being a decent king. But unfortunately. Uh, he's surrounded by scumbags who are just trying to manipulate him. And that, inc- he, and that he includes the wrong TV and that, show. And that <laughs> includes and that includes the Sparrow too, who's trying to manipulate Sparrow him. and Cersei and Jamie and everybody. Well, the Sparrow is manipulating him, and I see. I do think that the Sparrow is a true believer. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe. Think, he, well, I, I think Osama bin Laden was a true believer too, and he's a fucking right. Uh, but that does, but that does right. I'm not saying it makes him a good person. Right. But right. but I think when you and. When you see moments like this, I think everything he told Tommen was absolutely true from his well, perspective. No, no, well, yeah, from his perspective, because I don't believe anything about the god crap. Well, okay, it's a fictional unit from there, from the just as well. If you know, as a priest or a rabbi or whomever, if you don't believe in that faith, of course, well, I don't believe it. It's all crap. But for them, it's sincere. Uh, yeah, and for I, him, it's and probably I think, it's, yeah. You, so you, think, don't, you don't think he's he's faking it? He really believes it, is what you're saying. I don't think he's faking it. I think you know that he believes that if they were running things, the world would be a better place, right? If the faith militant were running things, and I do think that one of his goals was to look and see, gee, we have a bunch of 
corrupt and obviously corrupt people running this government. Um, and we need to fix that. Well, that's that's like like friggin' uh, 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 whatever his name, uh, Samoz or whatever his name was of uh, Cuba, and then Fidel Castro goes, well, "We have to change this because he's corrupt." And then, you right? Get, I'm not saying he's going to necessarily make it better, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think that's where you get his motives. I don't think this is a person who's using the religion just as his vehicle for personal gain and glory. All right. I think he. I think he's a. True, personally, I think he's a true believer. I don't think that makes him less dangerous. I, if anything, might make him more dangerous. But so, but I think he's giving, and there, and I like some of the lines he has, some of the things he says, and like I like what he says about Cersei, right? Where he says, you know, all that other stuff goes away, you know, when she feels the mother's love, right? Meaning that that deity's love coming through her, it's her love but for her child. Is he saying these things to convince? Tom and you know that he, you know this is how it is, or is he saying these things because it actually works in his favor and he can manipulate an empower, important person to be part both. of his or help? Yeah, right. That's not. I, I agree with Eric. Yeah, okay. It, it, it could be both. I, I think it could be sincere, um, sort of, and that I think that that's an apt description of Cersei. We know that the one thing she cares about besides herself are her brother and her, her lover and her children. Right, right. Yeah, so I I, I posted a, a picture of the, uh, on Mother's Day that you're a better, better mother than Cersei's, but honestly, Cersei's is probably a damn good mother. Well, maybe not, because she, she fucks over her kids all the time. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. She got her, she got her, her, her son's wife thrown in jail, and all, yeah, so he's, she's terrible. Yeah. I, I don't think we've seen any particularly excellent mothers on Game of Thrones, because uh, Catelyn wasn't that great either. Uh, Gilly? Oh, Catelyn. Oh! Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gilly, she's young yet. We'll see how she screws up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, see I, well, wait a minute. Up. I think Catelyn got in trouble when she stopped being a mother. No, she was still a mother. No, no I she mean, was, she, she, was, she, she was going she was, outside of her area of expertise. Yeah, she was basically trying to be the Condoleezza Rice to Rob Stark, and in reality, she was as <laughs> much of an idiot as Condoleezza Rice. So, I mean, that that was, that. yeah, she she was an idiot. She was a terrible mother. She wasn't I'm, a terrible mother. She was a terrible politician. Right. Completely different thing. All right. All right. Yeah. Right. She's a flawed mother. Then, yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And she hated John Stock with a, I mean, John Snow with a passion, too. I'll tell you that. Oh, well, you know, in her position, I probably would, too. That's but, she also rec- but she also acknowledged that, it, that that's, a, that's her flaw. She was aware oh, yeah, of That's it. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah but I'm glad so, she's gone. I can understand her. Anyway, anyway, back to this episode. Yeah. Anything else we want to say about King's Landing? Um, that Tommen may now see both sides, but I still can't believe he's that gullible because the, until they release his fucking wife and the queen, I can't believe he's going to go, yeah, I guess you have some good points. I mean, that's just ridiculous. He cannot let his wife be in jail for no- and his brother-in-law be in jail for nothing. And his mother still has to be on trial. I mean, but power, going back to what they said in, I think, season two or season three, power resides where people believe it resides. And right now, the peoples uh, are on the side of the faith militant. They're on the side of the sparrow. But but what does Tommen believe? Is he actually be, beginning to buy this crap, or is he going to say, or is he pulling a, a um, Trojan horse and he's going to go back and go? I, I think Tommen is young and confused, and I don't know that he entirely knows what to do. 
Dude, you know why this is so unrealistic is because he was getting a, a great piece of ass in Marjorie, and now he can't have nothing. So I would be – it's not true. How does that make it unrealistic? Because no 18-year-old <laughs> kid, uh, anybody at his age is going to say all that matters is the woman, the, the sex, and, and well, she's and, walked and away. FYI, I honestly have lost track of how old he's supposed to be in the series in the books. He's like 13. 13. Right, yeah, so even then, so. 13, the hormones. You're actually telling me all that matters is I want my wife back so I can bang her. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that he is young and inexperienced and naive, and he doesn't. He, he's doing the best he can with the knowledge that he has, which is not much. Well, he knows it's, it, Marjorie's hot and, and good in the sack. Ugh. I'm telling you, that's what they would do. I'm telling yeah, but you. I think, but I could go back to that scene where we had him in the sack when he was still clearly very naive and very inexperienced. Let's do it again. And very and very sweet. He was not a horn dog. I could do this forever. <laughs> that was awesome, dude. It was Marjorie. But anyway, you're right. I, I, I'm just trying to be funny, obviously. But right. But um, all in all. He is confused, and yeah, I, I, I'm thinking though when he goes back to his mother. Well, maybe not because his mother hates Marjorie. So I was about to say the Marjorie. She was going to say he has your wife, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I don't know what's going to happen. Jamie, Jamie will tell him to turn him back to their side. Well, God yeah. willing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on. I guess right. Let's get into the, the last storyline. Um, they did one thing that pissed me off in this, which is how it ended last time, and they changed the whole thing. So when we start this episode, people are in the room, even though they weren't in the room before. Yeah, I noticed that too. That was annoying. Yeah, that that was a a cheap Hollywood thing that the and, and, and also he had a little he had a little loincloth uh, at the end of the last episode. Now he's completely naked in a convenient pose to hide his schlong. Exactly. What a what you could I could see why the feminists would would be pissed uh, of at this show because. They have no problem showing the, the tits and ass and pussies, well, but they but, don't show nothing, no but, pricks. But the, you know, the giant slayer explains later why you had to have the loincloth. <laughs> uh, so, that's, a, that's a fair point, yeah. Uh, um, see, yeah, I don't so, know, I don't know yeah. what, obviously there's a moment cut, I don't know if that was intended to be they were there when he woke up, um, but they had just left the room when he woke up, so maybe he woke up and screamed. Or shouted or something, and we saw that off screen. Just, but yeah, it was. They just heard his dramatic breathing, or or, they, or, or they, they just thought it was a cool ending last episode with with everybody thinking he wasn't rising, and then they say, "All right, who cares about that?" Now it's yeah. just yeah. Maybe when he woke up, he just you know let out a lot of because as you decompose, the bacteria in your stomach start you know consuming your flesh, and you build up a lot of gas. All right, let's just admit, no. say that it was. It was a cheap thing to do. They it was. Just, it, there, there was a continuity lapse. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I don't think it was because of sloppiness. I think it was because uh, it was dramatic how they left it last week in their eyes. And and then it was just picking up where... Well, I think, I think it could be explained away, but it was still, yeah, a little meh. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll go with that. And, yeah, we don't get a whole lot in this opening scene. Um, right. But I did I, like... I, go ahead. I said something like, uh, "What was the line that this was real? This was pretty fucked up, or something." He says, um, "Well, the best John, line was was when when the witch wanted to know what you felt when you were dead, and he goes, it was just nothing, nothing, the abyss, basically, the void.'" 
Um, I, also, I, 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 like I also enjoyed how the witch seemed to be more surprised than anybody else that he'd actually come back to life when she's the one that did it. Yeah, yeah. And I also thought it was interesting how Davos said, uh, could, could we be left alone for a moment? Meaning, you know, the witch, could you leave for a minute? i got to talk to Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. And, and she had no issues with it. Um, but at this point, shock a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think at this point she doesn't consider Davos an enemy. And to be honest, I don't think she ever really thought Davos was an enemy. It was the other way around. She Davos always thought well, she was bad influence, but I don't think she ever really felt the same about him necessarily. Well, well he she felt threatened by him enough to realize that he was going to be an obstacle in manipulating Stannis. Right, he was at the very least a rival. Yeah, and, but at this point I don't think she considered him a rival anymore. Not right now. No, but also she's been really, really humbled. Right, right. Well, plus I think she's now going to be, quote-unquote, part of the good guys anyway, so I think she's going to be more in aligned with Davos anyway at this point going forward, but that's just a guess. We don't know. She could be a wild card, but I think she is on board to be the good guys. Well, the question is how does this all affect her faith and her magic? Um, and that, I think, is the key thing with that. Uh, I I I saw nothing. I saw nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is cool about it because now she thinks that okay, there's nothing when you're dead, but she knows she still had the power to bring him back. So I think this is just going to leave her even more confused because there's nothing, and yet I, yet there's still some magic that can bring people back, and it was me. Right. So the whole thing, the whole her story arc, is, I think, is going to be cool going forward. No, I, I I find uh, her crisis of faith to be fascinating, personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it a lot too. Um, what else? What else? All right, so so yeah, so we don't really learn much. We just basically say that Jon Snow. Oh, there was the, the line where he goes, "So I I screw up and then I get killed," and then uh, Davos says, "Well, just screw up again." Right. In other words, basically, you're doing good, even though you get killed by doing good. Continue doing good is basically what he's inferring to. Even you though you earned an extra life. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a little weird that uh, Jon Snow came back from the dead, just and got subjected to bro jokes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like yeah. Tom, Tom says, "I saw your pecker. No god would have a pecker that small." And then he goes up to to Ed. And and he's like, and he, and he says, "Don't burn my body just yet." And it's like, that was funny. Are you sure, sure. it's Sue? It's like, what? Well, he just came right from dead. You're giving him a bunch of shit. Come on, man, give him some slack. Well, but they're guys, and that's what guys do. Well, well that's the question. If, if this if 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 this was like Sansa had died and she came back, her handmaidens would be, "Oh, we're so happy you're back." Guys can't do that. They got to give him shit. No, no, cover but, the fact that they're happy he's right. back. Eric, um, in your opinion, was was that stupid similar to, or, or not? Let me rephrase that. Was that childish similar to the the Pycel fart that you heard? Not quite on that level, but it was a little. It was a little. I I still don't remember. I Pycelle. get it though. I get it though. All right. So yeah, I'll try so and find a clip of it for you, Mike. I'm looking it up. I'm right. I'm doing a Google search for myself. Right. Well, we, all right, you can look it up after we, we, we continue because we're almost done. So let's, let's keep on talking and get this over with here, right? even though it's, this is the best part. Um, so, yeah, so Jon Snow is back. Uh, Game of Thrones it, season six. People have spotted a fart joke. <laughs> <laughs> See? 
<laughs> yeah, this is true. All, all right. right, so all right, let's continue. Come on. Um, so, so uh, yeah, then they skip and uh, until the end of the episode, right? He shows up at the beginning. He just yeah, he's at the beginning and the end. Uh, and I really enjoyed the scene at the end because he's got now. This is something I was a little confused about. He's got four people up there to be hanged, right? Weren't there a lot more than four people in that group that were hanging out to stab him? I thought so. Well, one of them was killed by the the giant, right? Uh, Tom Tom, or whatever his name is. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Okay, because he was the archer, and then another another one was killed uh, by the wildlings too. So there, there was at least six. So two were killed by the wildlings last episode. So and then four were arrested and. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm think yeah, so I think you're right, so but someone were already taken care of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. All right. So he's got uh, four people up there ready to be hanged. Uh and he asks him if they have any last words. Uh the first guy's like, It's not right that you're alive. And he's like, Well, it wasn't right for you to kill me either. Uh, <laughs> and then the, the second guy's like, You're right. It was totally wrong. Tell my wife I died fighting wildlings. He's just like, Whatever. <laughs> he goes on to uh, Alistair, oh, Thorne. Alistair, Alistair Thorne. Thorne, and Alistair Thorne still believes he did the right thing. Yeah, uh, and, he, and he, he's he's still uh, he's going to die honorably. He's not going to be a coward. I I actually appreciated that. Uh, he's like, you know what? I I I made a choice, and now I'm I'm going to rest. That's like okay, fair enough. And yeah, then, he he had a great end in mind. Yeah, because he said basically said I I fought gallantly. I lost. I lost, and now I will rest. While you'll unfortunately have to continue to end, fight and, battles. Yeah, yeah, fight battles. So uh, you know, I'm good. He's basically saying I'm good. You know, this is I. I chose this path, whether I screwed up or not. I'm gonna. You know, similar to Stannis when when he gets killed, he goes, "Do your duty." You know, I mean, he, whether they screwed up or not, they're gonna die with with dignity. Right, and then stupid. Fucking Ollie just has a stupid fucking look on his face. Say Doesn't a word. say anything because he's fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> how, how do you feel about Ollie, Eric? I think he's fucking stupid. Um, his parents were killed and eaten by the wildlings, including John's <laughs> Yeah, know. not just killed by. Right. He's killed just and chewed on. Exactly. Right. So, um, so I. Instead of beheading all these people, they're hanging them now for some reason. I think it was just to be able to do it all at, all once. at the same time. Uh, and so he goes to cut the rope, and he hesitates for a minute before he cuts the rope, but he finally does, and he he hangs them all. And we get a nice close-up of Ollie's stupid fucking face all purple, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> is Eric. The hatred, man. The hatred. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're all dead now, uh, and John basically goes up to Ed, and Ed says, "You need to burn the bodies." And John's like, "No, you need to burn the bodies." And he hands him his coat. He's like, "What do you want me to do with this?" And he goes, uh, "You can wear it. You can burn it. I don't care. Uh, Castle Black is yours." And he walks away and says, "My watch has ended." Yeah, I didn't like this ending. I I thought he was rude to Ed. It's like, I mean. Why would you be that way? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's his friend and whatever. I would just say that, you know, I'm, I'm now passing. I don't know. He's just well, here's like, the thing, though, Phil. you got to remember, he just came back from the dead. Right. He might be having a little, oh, I don't know, post-traumatic stress syndrome or something going on. Uh, he's maybe not 
all right. You could uh, be a pot, yeah, pot pet cemetery, right? <laughs> or like what happened to that other dude that 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 they brought back over and over again? Yeah, he kept uh, on saying that he felt less human every time. Or exactly. So so John's back, but maybe he's not back, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, so yeah, and and he kind of storms off, and that's and then roll credits. Uh, and it looked like he was actually leaving the castle. Is that just me, or was that your impression as well? Yeah, he was going through one of the gates, some gate anyway, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you could be right that he was heading to find Giant's Bane and the Wildlings. And, and then he's going to turn around and go back, and, oh, shit, I forgot Ghost, I didn't bring my sword, I got all this other stuff I need. Uh, and, and, and Ed, why don't you come with me? Yeah. Well, see, I think the whole thing with that, I think he's disgusted with the watch. Let's be honest. They're all dead now anyway, right? Ed's going to be leading about three men. Um, yeah, but, but Ed's his friend, though. I, I just didn't like how he, he left Ed hanging in the breeze like He that. came back from the dead and he busted his chops. I'm sorry. I don't... No, I'm, I'm trying to be serious here. I don't, I don't... I mean, it was just... It was... It was out of character, I thought. No, I think it was... I think it was just serious. I don't think he was rude. And I, I think that's... That is kind of his character, is that he's stern. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't think he was being disrespectful to Ed. I thought just Ed was confused because he didn't see it coming. Um, and yeah. like every, everybody, everybody brought Jon Snow back from the dead, saying, "Oh, we need him to lead this," and just kind of made the assumption that he was going to be willing to lead. Uh, right. When at, at this point, maybe he's not. Uh, I mean, he he got uh, the vengeance on the people who stabbed him. Uh, maybe now he wants to go walk the earth or whatever the fuck. That's right. He's going to join a commune and and pray to to, to Buddha or something. Who knows? <laughs> something. Who know? Who knows? Uh, uh, but, but maybe maybe he wants some me time to figure out what the fuck is going on since he's back from the dead. Well, let me ask you this. I, I have one observation and one question. The observation is is that we lost two awesome characters. Now, at least in my opinion, my, whether they were scumbags, they were very good characters, which was Roose Bowden or whatever his name, Roose Bowden. Roose Bowden. And Alice Athon. I love those characters because they were just interesting characters. Now, we've lost them. We have to move on, similar to Charles Dance and various other characters. Right. However, that's my observation. The, uh, but they, they died dramatically, so it wasn't like just a, a crappy way to die. At least it was good. Um, the question I have is, what is Davos... Why did he give a rat's ass about Jon Snow coming back? What what is you his know, end game? Who is Davos and what is he trying to do here? I don't have an answer for you, Mike. I'll pass it to you. Um, he's a decent man. Let's start with that. Um, that he was invested, I think, in Stannis's mission. Yep. Uh, that I'm going to guess that he really does believe the wrong people are sitting on the throne. Okay, and he yeah. wants to see a decent man on the throne, and he believes Jon Snow is a good man. And that, okay. and that, that would be, that would be it. He's just, he's kind of caught up in the game, and he's passed along. Um, I don't know that he's anticipating being, like, part of Jon Snow's inner council or anything. Although you he might end so. up well, I don't think he's anticipating it. Right, but but if if you could guess, you think he probably will be, right? Uh, if I were to guess, I think he probably will be because I think he's just somebody who's interested in, in doing the right thing. Right. 
and I don't think it has to go anywhere beyond that, is... Um, now, why did he want to bring Jon Snow back? And not Stannis? Why well, he didn't have Stannis' body? Right, yeah, no one knows where Stannis is. He's, he's gone, yeah. Um, so, all right, that, no, that, that sounds valid to me. Um, uh, plus, uh, he said offline that when Stephen Dillon, I think was the actor that played Tan- Stannis, passed away, uh, his character died, that um, that it was going to be a shame because him, uh, uh, Clarice Vaughn, Houdin, and Stephen Dillon would every uh, night after shoot would, would go out and have dinner and, and drink all night. And he says, we we, 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 we miss uh, Stephen now, and it's just me and you, Clarice. Uh, that was kind of well, funny. Well, she can't drink anymore because she's preggers now. That's right. Oh, my God. So he needs Jon Snow. No, that's the reason why he wants Jon Snow back. He needs a new drinking buddy when they're not shooting. There we go. We discovered it. Excellent. Uh, but, yeah. I, I, what, so, Eric, do you think that sounds legitimate, what Mike said? Because I guess that's what it's I was as good thinking. as anything. I, I yeah. mean, I, I don't know what his deal is with wanting Jon Snow back. Uh, yeah. Because... Um, it's not like he's been around for years saying, you know, I really, I, I'm 100% behind Jon Snow and whatever he does. He's been, I'm 100% behind Stannis and want to help him as much as I can. Um, now he's dead. So I guess I'll bring this guy back from the dead. Cause he's all right. I, I, I don't understand myself. Yeah. I think well, it's a little I'll- weird for him to feel so strongly uh, about Jon Snow at this point. Yeah, I know he was trying to get Jon Snow, and he knows Jon Snow's a Stark. You remember when Stannis was trying to get him to join uh, as the head of Winterfell, and, and you know yes. you can join my army. And and Davos tried to convince him after Stannis left the room. So th- maybe that's what it is. He knows that Jon is a Stark. So maybe if we have Jon back, we can take over what Stannis wasn't able to finish. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, uh, and it could be that that he sees the same loophole in the Night's uh, Watch oath that I do, uh, which is that since he's died now, he's released from his oath, um, which is why he could just. Uh, I, I know the name of the episode was Oathbreaker, but I don't think that Jon Snow is breaking his oath by giving up his 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 black because um, he yeah. died. That's the oath. Yeah, your oath is to be in the Night's Watch until you die, and he did that. So as far as I'm concerned, he can do whatever the hell he wants now. Yeah. And maybe maybe Davos saw that too, and was like, "Well, now that he's released from that oath, he can lead us down to uh, to finish what Stannis started." Yep. No, it sounds legit too. So um, now uh, next week it's called the door. Uh, who knows what that means? Uh, any final thoughts on this episode? What do you think, and what you think may happen next week, or any of the little snapshots? in the, the uh, trailer for next week, too. Well, I just, uh, very quickly, two more thoughts on, on the title on Oathbreaker, is that we saw John not Jon Snow, Ned Stark, right? So as part of that whole rebellion thing, they were Oathbreakers, weren't they? Yeah, okay, I guess, yeah. You can make that argument. Um, yeah. And... Oh, uh, uh, Parcel actually uh, was a windbreaker. <laughs> Parcel was a windbreaker, yes. <laughs> He's a... Uh, he he made a vow not to fart in front of Lady Olena. Broke that one. Um, and I just read an article about the fart, Mike. If you want, yes, I, 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 yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. 
but yeah. it's uh, <laughs> um, the other possibility is now the question is is Arya going to go back on her oath on on her list? Well, she's not uh, Arya anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. She's she's not Arya anymore. So, so I don't. Well, think that's what she. That's what. That's what she's saying. We don't know what she's yeah. really going to do. Now, understand, I'm stretching the storyline like Taffy to get it, try to get all these to fit in under Oathbreaker. <laughs> yes, yes. But I think I, I think it's a lot easier to do that than figure out why the last episode was called Home. Right, right. And I did make a mistake. The door is actually going to be episode five. Next week's episode is called The Book Book of Stranger. Book of the Stranger. Mm, that's interesting. That's, that sounds like the sign-in book at Littlefinger's establishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a fair, yeah, a lot of John Doe's. <laughs> John Snow is probably. Ah! Yeah. Ah! There you go. John Snow, John Sand, John Flowers. <laughs> that's right, that's right. What were the... Uh, what was it for the the bastards of the Lannisters? I, I forget. There is one. I know there is one. They've said it on the show, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, yeah. Who knows what Oathbreaker? I mean, last week's home, like you said, Mike was didn't really say much either. Even even the week before, the Red Woman obviously meant the witch. And I said it even could have meant Sansa too, but. Otherwise, you know, no one else is red-haired in the show except for Caitlyn Stark, who's dead. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, to be honest, perhaps, though, perhaps we're trying to put too much significance on the title, right? And, and to be honest, I, Mike's stretching is good enough for me. Mike, you did well. Just keep on stretching him and get it, get it. Uh, we'll get, we'll get it sooner or later. Um, all right, so uh, that's the latest episode. Uh, um, I, what, what do you guys think of the the season so far? We, we've got a quarter of the season done almost, or, or over a quarter of the season done now. It's going fast, um, and, but it's it's the, the the episodes are flying by, and yet it doesn't seem like we've really advanced the plot all that much. Uh, I mean, let's see. Roos is dead. Um, oh, and, the Sand Snakes wiped out the whole... Oh, the Sand Snakes killed the prince. Right, that happened. Yeah. Um, but other I, than that, it's mostly just been set up, so I just hope we'll get a payoff later on in the season. Yeah, well, and, it, and it cleaned up a few of the things that we were waiting for a setup, which is Jon Snow is back, Arya can see again. Right, right. You know. Well, remember, I, I'm assuming you... like. When you were a little kid and you played like with Hot Wheels cars and yeah, right. The whole point was to set up as big of a car crash as possible. <laughs> and, and and you spend like thirty minutes making the ultimate car crash just to get like one second of awesome. Right, right. That's I think they're I think they're setting up the car crash and okay, fair enough. And I think the truck loaded with oil is coming down. <laughs> I'm just uh, ready to I, run into the crane and create a great big fireball. I am really curious to see how stuff is going to play out with the Boltons and Jon Snow. Because uh, I, I think on both sides, it's not going to go as expected. Let me ask you this. Do you think Sansa will join up with Snow and then she's the one that's going to stab Ramsay to death? No. Really? I, no. I would, I would like Sansa just to... to 
get Ramsey and a a great big old strap on and have at it. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> maybe something, maybe hey, that one, maybe that one's a seven. Oh, yeah, that's what I was just thinking too, Mike. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> no, I mean, look, honestly, that would be completely out of her character uh, to be that kind of cruel. But, yeah, he's, his head's going or hey, maybe Theon could do it. <laughs> or he's getting fed to his dogs. Well, except Ooh. Theon just left the game board, right? He just went to Pike. Yes, true, and true. and the next week's episode shows him already there, talking. I think this. I think they need to get, uh, uh, well, okay, for storytelling purposes, this is what I would like to happen. I'll say this: that not that they necessarily need to do something, but if they get everybody back on the same fucking continent, then maybe we won't have to have all these episodes with missing plot lines and everything, because uh, they'll actually have more than one main character on the screen at one time. Uh, if they right. can get you know uh, Tyrion and and Danny and Jorah and the the horse guys uh, all in the same fucking place, they can just show all those characters at the same time. And uh, maybe if they get them over to Westeros, then we'll we'll see more characters and you know get Arya back over to Westeros. What are the hell Sam and Gilly are doing? Get them back into the playing board. Because right now, I think everybody having their own separate storyline that has to be shown separately is really harming the cohesive storytelling for the show. When it's also giving us so many storylines that they can only do these like four minute scenes, right? Right. Well, and it plus plus it also makes you watch characters you don't want to see sometimes too, as as Eric like is fucking Greyjoys. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, right. <laughs> Leave the well, Greyjoys alone. Haven't they yeah, suffered I'm, enough? I'm no. not worried about them, but but yeah, I mean certain characters, whether it's the Greyjoys, whether it's Arya, whether it's the Sand Snakes, whether it's Daenerys or whatever her name is Targaryen. I mean certain characters and storylines are more boring than others at this point, I guess. Well, but, but, for, thing, for, but for different people that like different storylines more, I'm sure if you look out there somewhere, you'll find someone who like the Sand Snake storyline. But the different people have thing, different priorities. Is that stupid fucking alley has a stupid fucking purple face now, and that's fucking awesome. <laughs> so, Jesus. yeah, but I do think, look, you, you're going to get every, and things are starting to come together. The problem is over in Essos, they got everybody together, and then they went, oh shit, we're not ready to have everybody together. <laughs> Send Danny away. She's coming back in what, an episode or three? She'll be back. Yeah, everyone yeah. will be back. The dragons will be back. Everyone there will be fine. You're going to be getting in a couple of episodes. Everyone together in the north, you know, as you deal with the Bolton storyline and the, uh, the umber, umbers and all them dudes. and the umbers and 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 this Jon Snow and the, the the wildlings that'll all come together. The and and then you'll have the resolution in King's Landing that'll put because you still have to deal with the snakes is the reason the main reason why I'm convinced that. The Sparrow is not going to win because it would be very Game of Thronesy to end up with the Lannisters being on the shit end of the stick and have the Sparrow come out on top. But then the Sparrow doesn't have a thing with Thorn, and so that whole storyline would die. So they still have to get to that, that storyline. And then once with you have the Snow storyline, the North set up and King's Landing set up, then we can bring those together. And then finally we'll be able to bring in uh, Daenerys... And get everything going. So it, you are now seeing since uh, last season, the start of the, the 
they call it the uh, the uh, everyone coming together. Um, one thing we forgot to mention in this episode, uh, was, I was curious what you guys thought, was when Bran screams out his father's name, or, or he just screams out father, for that matter, um, in the, the flashback, oh, right. his, his father could hear the ghost of, uh, or the, the presence of Bran. So it appears that it's not just visions. It appears that he can time travel, maybe, too, and eventually well, maybe yeah, he can that's... start appearing. In the past or the future. That's well, really interesting because uh, what's his face? The Three Eyed Crow really seemed evasive when Bran commented on that, and he was like, "Oh no, 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 no! The past is already written." But really, the Three Eyed Crow, when Bran called out his name and he turned around, Three Eyed Crow did not look happy about that turn of events. Uh, so I think that maybe Bran can have an effect on the past. And that kind of scares the shit out of the Three-Eyed Crow. Now, do you think the Three-Eyed Crow may have not had that power, and Bran is more powerful than him, maybe? I, or, I, I think that's exactly what's going on, yes. Interesting. Well, from what I've listening to a different podcast, um, the Game of Microphones, they were talking about how Bran is not, that you have, was it Green Seer? Who's is the, the people who can see through the trees and therefore can, tra- can see through time. Is okay. what the three-eyed raven is. Oh and yeah, would, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. A, that's a separate ability from being a warg. Yeah, he's both, and he's both. Uh, so he's he combines both these abilities. I think he needs to go back to the fucking tower at at Winterfell. Shout out to Jamie before he can push his ass out the window. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So yeah. he could just scramble down, keep his legs, and maybe none of this shit ever happens. Right. Yeah, and Ned Stark gets point. to live. We we immediately get to slut shame uh, Jamie and Cersei. <laughs> we find Jamie out Jamie keeps his hand right. Jo- King Robert executes Joffrey before he can do anything because he's a, <laughs> we, a well, we, bastard we should, of his betraying queen. We, we should go even before that and somehow uh, have John Arryn and Stannis not figure out that the children aren't, aren't Roberts. And then, then Baelish wouldn't need to kill Arian, and so on and so forth. I don't know. Or just go back to like the very first time that Jamie and Cersei kiss, and just say, "Don't do that." And they're like, "Ah, there's a ghost telling us we should be doing this." And then, yeah, none of their kids are ever born. Yeah, yeah. Have some other hot chick uh, catch the eye of Jamie and or something, and then he would leave. His and then the Delorean alone. shows up, and yeah. There you go. Ronald Reagan? An actor? <laughs> now I understand why. That was great. All right. Uh, so so let's uh, wrap it up. Uh, so that's uh, pretty much um, our opinions uh, and our critique of this episode and also the first third or a little more than the first third of uh, the season. So um, I guess uh, that was pretty much our final thoughts anyway. So I guess we can wrap it up. So, uh Eric, why don't you lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about Oathbreaker. Come back next week. We'll be talking about episode number four.